many things to be grateful for, so many things to be thankful for. And even though we have a lot to be thankful for, a lot to be grateful for, I know that this is a time of year where oftentimes many people get filled with some worry and even anxiety. Man, many people will feel the relational tension as they gather together with family members later on this week and throughout the season. Many people will feel the loss from dearly loved family members as they notice they're not at the table this Thanksgiving or this holiday season. Man, many people are going to feel the pressure to get the perfect gift or to look a certain way. Or if you're in a company or leading company to, to make sure this is a part of the year where your company gets out of the red, you're going to feel the pressure in all of those areas. And it's a season like this where we don't need less of God. We need more of God. We don't need to walk away from God. We need to lean into God. In fact, we don't need prayer less. We need prayer so much more in a season like this. Church, this is a season for us to get prayed up. And for those of you who maybe aren't used to Christian lingo, when we say get prayed up, it means that we need prayer more, but as followers of Jesus, we also need to pray more. In fact, you may not remember, but in the first part of the series, we talked about how one of the reasons why God put the Psalms in the Bible was for us to praise him for who he is, for us to praise him in our right mindset and also right heart set in both the ups and downs of life to ponder and to meditate on who he is. But one of the reasons why God also put the Psalms in the Bible is for us to learn how to pray and be able to pray in a way that actually honors the Lord. Um, the psalmist, back in the very first party, he talked about how blessed are those who are blameless and blessed are those who walk in the way of the Lord. I remember back in chapter one, or chapter, or Psalm 119, verse 1, when he talked, uses those words blessed and blameless. Man, he's talking about this actual deep-rooted happiness that so many people are searching for. That word blameless actually even means to be intact, to be made complete. So that deep-rooted happiness, that intactness and completeness that people are often looking for is only found in one place. It's only found in one person. And that's a relationship with Jesus. Man, we're going to see in this next section of Psalm 119 that the author continues unpacking and pointing to meditating on the Word of God. That brings that deep-rooted happiness, completeness, wholeness that people are looking for, but it's only found when we bring our lives into alignment with Him in both the ups and downs of this life. So let's go on and get into part Three of this series in Psalm 119. I asked my kids earlier this week, how long should this message be with all the kids in the room? One kid said, hey, maybe around three hours would be good. Another kid said it's going to be, if it's 30 seconds, that would be good. So church is going to be somewhere between 30 seconds and three hours today for the message. Uh, but as we've been often doing, okay, we're going to start off with some congregational reading. And so kids, if this is your first time joining us in the room, or hey, if you're a brand new guest, we do this from time to time where we'll have, some, have the Bible verses up on the screen. You're going to see some words in bold, and those words in bold, we're all going to read together. And the words not in bold, just I'm going to read those parts. So again, kids, don't be you be trying to take my parts um, as we read this together. Hey, but let's all stand if you're able to. Again, kids, I really want to challenge you. Look, if, if you are able to read right now, like if you've been learning how to read, I want you to read the parts in bold along with all of us as we do this congregational reading together. So Psalm 119 
starting in verse 33. The psalmist says, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then, then I shall have an answer for him who taunts me. For I trust in your word and take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth. For my hope is in your rules. I will keep your law continually forever and ever. And I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings, and shall not be put to shame. For I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. Church, as we get ready to get into the holiday season, it's time to get prayed up. Before you head to your seats, I need you to high-five three people. You need to tell them, hey, happy Thanksgiving, but tell them, hey, you need to get prayed up, okay? High five three people, tell them happy Thanksgiving, and tell them they need to get prayed up. Church, in this holiday season, it is time to get prayed up. Man, if I could sit down with each one of you right now and ask you to rate your prayer life on a scale of one to 10, what number would you give yourself? One being, um, what is prayer again? And 10 being, man, it is consistent, it is continual. It's not just about me. Man, I'm interceding, even supplicating for others. I'm praising God in my prayers. I'm repenting of sin. I'm, I'm asking on behalf of others. I'm finding as I'm praying more and more that I'm yielding and submitting more and more to the Lord in my prayer life. If that's you, that would be a 10. But if you could put down a number to rate yourself right now in your prayer life, what would you put down? In fact, I would love if you put that down right now on your sheet. Because sometimes you have to see where you are so you can know where you're going or maybe even where you need to be. Man, God wants us to grow in our prayer life. Have you ever thought about the fact that everybody prays? Even the atheists who have spent their entire life denying who God is will in those moments of terror or fear cry out to something or someone out there that maybe they've denied for their entire life. Man, I know that there's some people maybe even sitting in this room right now where you don't have a relationship with Jesus yet, but you lay in your bed at night and you feel the weight of worry and anxiety or shame or fear. And in those moments, you feel this urge inside of you, this sense that there's something or someone else out there that you know can help carry those burdens for you. 
And even in those moments, like even though you haven't called out to Jesus yet, you know that there's this urge inside of there is something greater. Hey, there's someone greater that can help you carry those burdens. Everybody prays. And in fact, have you ever thought about like what it means to actually pray? And have you ever grown in your prayer life and looked at what it means to actually grow in that area? In fact, right now, if you were to do a search on Google on how to pray, you would actually come up with about one billion, yes, billion with the B, search results. Now, the good news is, like, to learn how to pray, to grow in prayer, you don't have to go through all those Google searches. In fact, don't even start with Google. The good news is, is that Jesus taught his followers to pray. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, verse 6, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13, Jesus says, pray then like this. He said to pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Church, this is how I take what Jesus said. And look, there's nothing wrong with just literally praying the words that Jesus said, but he says to pray like this. And what Jesus gave us was a template for us to follow when we pray. So I usually follow Jesus' template to pray like the way Jesus taught by thinking of the word pray, P-R-A-Y, where the P simply stands for praise. And Jesus started by saying, Heavenly Father, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. Again, when we start with praise, it is positional. When we start our prayers with praise, man, we put God back, we recognize God back in the right position. That he is this heavenly Father, the creator of all, far above everything. And I'm down here, his humble child in desperate need of his help. It's a reminder when we start out with praise, man, it helps bring our hearts into alignment. No matter whether in an up or down of life, man, God is working. There's something praiseworthy happening in your life. Man, the R means to repent. Jesus said, pray, look, forgive us and help us to forgive others and to lead us away from temptation. Man, when we pray, it's an opportunity to confess again, to lay it down again that we are still sinners who needs God's grace every single day. And the A simply means to ask. Man, Jesus said, give us today our daily bread. And notice it's our daily bread. It's not just praying for you, which we need to do, but it's also praying for others. Who are you also praying for? And then the why is to yield. He says, your kingdom come, and not my kingdom come, but your kingdom come and your will be done. And prayer is a reminder that at the end of the day, we submit our lives to the Lord. Look, prayer is something from the Old Testament to the New Testament that characterizes the life of the believer. And again, we are talking about a walk in the Lord. This constantly submitting ourselves to the process of completion that God wants to work in us. Man, this consistency that comes and when, when we actually obey him and we leave all the consequences, all the results up to him. And here in Psalm 119 this week, there are some really simple things that the author points to praying to the Lord around praising, around repenting, around asking, and around yielding that Jesus would even teach his followers later on. 
from Old Testament to New Testament, this is the pattern of prayer that God wants to put into our lives so we can continue to grow in prayer. So this is the season for us to get prayed up. Okay, so number one, church, write this down, all right? Get prayed up. This is what we need to pray. Pray, God, teach me. God, would you teach me? Look what the psalmist says again in verse 33. He says, teach me, O Lord. Again, who says the Bible is hard to understand? Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. He says, I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Um, how many of you are in school right now? Raise your hand up. How many of you are in school right now? Raise your hand up, right? Now, how many of you love school? Raise two hands up if you actually love school, okay? You love school, okay? Now, how many guys are done with school and you're never going to go back? Raise your hand up, okay? You're done with school. You're never going to go back. Okay? Maybe you need to raise both hands up, maybe a foot um, as well. I was in school. I did the math the other day. I was in school for about 20 years, from kindergarten up through graduate school, and I, at least as of this moment, I really don't want to go back ever again, okay? I've had moments where I've thought about getting a doctorate because I want my wife to call me doctor, husband, pastor, person. <laughs> thought about doing that. Uh, but at least for this moment, I'm done with school. But you know what? We never, ever should stop learning. Look, I've heard it said that leaders are continual learners, but also the children of God are continual learners as well. And we know that even when we read God's word, we're never going to exhaust what God wants to teach us and show us and, and do in us and through us in his word. Because God is, is almost uncomprehensible. We can't fully comprehend, comprehend, comprehend who God is. There's always something to learn about him. There's always something more that God wants to show us who he is, and what he's actually doing in the world. And yes, our learning should be, yes, from the Lord. But in general, when we learn something, it should lead to a godly understanding of how the world works and what God is actually doing in the world. But have you ever noticed that sometimes, not every time, there are some times where the more we learn, it seems like we look to God less. It's like the more knowledge we gain, we feel like we need God less. It's like, it's like we're saying, well, well, I know that now, God, I got this. Or I, don't, I, I know this now, so I don't really need God. Or because I understand this now, is God even real? You know, the Apostle Paul would actually point to this danger in learning the wrong way in Romans chapter 1, verse 18. He says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they actually became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So instead of actually when they learned about things in life, instead of giving God glory and continue to say, God, would you teach me? I want to submit everything I'm learning under your will, your kingdom agenda. They were like, God, we, I, I got this. 
Is God even real? And that actually produced more darkness in their hearts. And verse 22, it says, claiming to be wise, they actually became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Look, our learning should not drive us further from the creator, but it should drive us closer to him. Church, don't let knowledge puff you up, but submit that to the creator. Would you pray, God, teach me. And then look how the psalmist continues in verse 34. He says, give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Church number two, right this time, get prayed up in this season. Would you pray, God, lead me? God, lead me. Would you guide me? Again, whether you're in a up right now in life or down right now in life, would you pray, God, lead me? He's saying, God, okay, would you teach me? Would you incline my heart? Okay, my, my whole heart, God, I want you to teach. Everything that's in me, everything that's in my life, but God, would you also lead me and literally give me direction for my life? You know, that phrase right there in verse 35 that says, lead me, in the original language can also be translated, bend me. Like literally, God bending us to his will. Literally him bending us away from sin. Literally him bending us to see the world the way that he sees it. You know, as we're praying this, pray, God, lead me, and even praying, God, would you bend bend me? Look, I'm even telling you right now, kids in the room, God wants to lead you, even bend you, to obey your parents and honor your parents. Man, I thought I would get at least one clap from the parents or at least one shout of praise. Trying to help you out, parents. But kids in the room, okay, have you ever thought about, okay, I know some of you are really, really young, but have you ever thought about that the day may come where you may have a family, and would you want your kids treating you the way that you're treating your parents today? Look, God wants you to honor your parents And that even means that if you pray, God, would you lead me even in that, that you may need to bend your will to his and submit to his so you can actually honor your parents. Come on, adults in the room, we we need to pray, God, would you bend us, would you lead us even in our finances? Again, we don't know what's going to happen with the economy coming up this next year, but we pray that even in that area of our lives, God, would you lead us? Would you even bend us to follow your principles, your guidance, your ways? Hey, just a reminder as well, in January, we're going to have that spiritual formation class on what it means to honor God with our possessions and with our finances. And then next summer, we're doing Financial Peace University as well, because again, we want God to lead us and even bend us in every area of our lives. So for all of us, are we asking God to bend us and even lead us today? Pray, God, teach me. But God, would you also lead me towards your will? And look how he continues in verse 36. He says, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Church number three, pray God, change me. God, would you change me? Don't leave me the same. 
God, renew my mind. God, renew my eyes. Help me to see the world the way that you see it. Help me to even see people the way that you see them. God, would you change me? You'll hear the psalmist is saying, literally saying, God, would you change my perspective? And maybe this is even a year where you're going to be sitting across some of those same family members at the table at Thanksgiving or, or the same co-workers at some holiday party. And maybe you've seen those people as an annoyance, as a bother, as, as sinners, as some of the worst people in the world. But maybe this is a season where you need to pray, God, would you change the way I see them? Maybe you need to pray, God, would you help me to see them in the way that you see them as his image bearers? As, yes, sinners, but in need of a Savior. Maybe you need to pray, God, would you change the way that I see them so maybe this is an opportunity for me to actually go and share the gospel with them, to encourage them, to challenge them, to return to them? Would you pray that God would actually change the way that you see, yes, the world, but also the people who are literally sitting across the table from you. Church, God is in the changing business. When Christ is the Lord of our lives, we really do see the world, and we really do see people differently. Um, As many of you know, our church is one church that meets in multiple locations, and a couple of our campuses are actually having baptisms today. And as Lead pastors, we get to see all the different baptism stories from every different campus, even if they're not happening at different campuses. We all get to hear the stories. And I wanted to share with you Kelly, I'm going to mess up his last name, Kelly Balefus' story. Listen to his baptism story from our Yorktown campus who's getting baptized today. My name is Kelly Balefus. I live in Hampton. I've been going to Coastal for about two and a half months now, and I'm in the Navy. Before I met Jesus Christ, I was a real cold person. Uh, My heart was hard, and um, I just treated people really badly. Um, I fell into a state of depression after a while. Um, And then once I fell into that state of depression, I just amplified those feelings of pretty much hatred towards other people, and the temptations uh, got uh, really bad. Uh, I met Jesus Christ through some friends at work. Uh, They invited me to come to Coastal with them. And one day I finally said yes, and the best decision I made. Uh, The moment I accepted Christ was in the college class. Um, I just felt God calling me to return to his side. I prayed about it. Uh, I prayed in my room, uh, broke down a little bit, but um, it was a, a good breakdown. Just God just overwhelming me, and it was an awesome experience. Now, since I accepted Christ, uh, I'm way more loving. Uh, my friends tell me that they think that I got like struck by lightning and that I've been acting way different. Um, and I have been doing way better with all my temptations and stuff like that. And so I'm just, I couldn't be happier um, after I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'm getting baptized today, not only as an outward expression of my faith, but to also be an example to some of my friends who have not accepted Christ and maybe they can accept Christ as their Lord and Savior as well. Isn't that good? Man, his friends thought he had been struck by lightning. (laughs) Again, when Jesus is the Lord of your life, man, when you're following his principles, his statutes, there should be something different about you. And I would even challenge you, like, if there hasn't been any differences lately, maybe this is the number one prayer that you need to pray in this season. God, would you change me? Yes, internally, God. Continue to renew my mind and my heart. Again, Lord, literally help me to see the world 
and even people the way that you see them. In verse 39, he says this. He says, turn away the reproach that I dread. For your rules are good, Lord. Your rules are good. He says, behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. And in verse 41, he says, let your steadfast love come to me. O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then I shall have an answer for him who taunts me. For I trust in your word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth. For my hope is in your rules. I will keep your law continually forever and ever. And, he says, and I shall walk in a wide place. For I've sought your precepts. Number four, church, in this season to get prayed up, would you pray, God, save me? God, save me. Now, this is twofold here. Because notice back in verse 40 and 41. He says, Lord, it is your righteousness. Let your righteousness give me life. Let your steadfast love come to me. O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Look, God has promised that his righteousness would give us life. And again, back from Genesis chapter 3 all the way to when Jesus showed up on the scene from Old Testament to New Testament, man, God has been promising there's going to be a way that his people would be delivered from their sins. And what he's pointing to is what we would know as the gospel, that this good news of God's righteousness according to his steadfast love, according to his promise, would come through Christ. And it's a recognition that only God can save us from our sins. Only God can give us eternal life. Only God can give us life to the full right now. But see, it's also the fact that even after we lay down our lives to the Lord and we surrender to him, that God is still doing a saving work in us. It is a testimony that God is going to bless his life. In fact, when he says, I want to walk in this wide open place, this wide space, that was usually a reference in the Old Testament to point to the fact that God is going to put us in a place of peace and even freedom. And notice that the psalmist, after he says, look, I'm, I'm trusting God with everything, that God doesn't immediately zap him on the head and take him to be with him in heaven. He leaves them still in the world, which in the world, there are still sinners. And we still experience the brokenness caused by sin, even in us or even around us. But what he's saying here is that as I've trusted in you, Lord, your promise of salvation that you're going to put me in a wide place, this place of peace and freedom. It means that when you've trusted in Jesus, again, it does not mean that life is going to be perfect. We still live in a broken world. But even in the ups and downs of life, he's going to place you in a place of both peace and freedom. And whatever it is that you're going through, he's going to lead you through. Man, if the Lord has even called you to it, he's going to bring you through it. Man, the psalmist is saying, here, look, no matter what it is in life, God, no matter what it is, even if there's turmoil all around me, would you still save me, God? Would you still rescue me in those moments? Man, it's pointing to the fact that, yes, we are saved by God, but he also sanctifies us. And he's going to put us in that wide place as we continue to seek his precepts. Man, God wants to produce freedom and peace in your life. Again, no matter what season of life you find yourself in right now. Come on, are you looking for peace? Are you looking for freedom? 
Look, the psalmist calls and prays that the Lord, yes, would ultimately save him, but while he is still here on earth, that God would give him peace and bring him through whatever it is he's going through. You know, the um, Apostle Paul would even point to this process of salvation. And again, if you've been coming here for a while, you know, we talk about how salvation is justification. It's that moment of salvation, that moment where you repent of your sin and believe the gospel and you receive Christ. But then God works this process of sanctification in us. But one day we're going to get to be with him where the place is always going to be wide and filled with peace and freedom with him. In fact, the Apostle Paul was saying, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1, He says, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, that's justification, in which you now stand, and by which you are being saved. That's sanctification. That's the process. And he says, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you as of first importance that what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And God is going to complete the work that he began in us. And we need to keep praying, God, even in these moments where I don't know what's happening, God, would you give me the peace and freedom that I need even in the middle of the storm? And then look how he concludes this section right here in verse 46. He says, I will also speak of your testimonies before kings. And shall not be put to shame. He says, for I delight in your commandments, which I love. Church, number five in this season to get prayed up, I really want to challenge you. You would pray, God, embolden me. God, would you make me bold? God, wherever you've placed me, would you embolden me to speak about you and your word and who you are? church a little bit earlier this summer our family went on a vacation trip to Myrtle Beach and we had been to Myrtle Beach before but this time when we went to Myrtle Beach I said I want to go on one of those dolphin boat tours that they do around the area so I was able to find one and then we went out um, to this dolphin boat tour and on this dolphin boat tour um, the day we went there must have been a hurricane or something out in the ocean because the water was so choppy I mean, the boat was bouncing up and down, and I love roller coasters, so I was like, wait, this is great. Uh, But everyone else was a bit terrified, and even the captain himself was terrified. And so as we're leaving this little intercoastal waterway, getting ready to head out to the ocean, he says over the microphone, over the PA system, hey, it's too choppy out there. We're going to turn around, and we'll just do a river cruise. So didn't get to see any dolphins. And then it got to this point on the cruise where, or on the boat, it was a little speed boat, tour boat thing. On this, on this boat tour thing, um, he allowed all the kids that were on the boat to come and sit in his little captain's chair, to put on his little captain's hat, and he gave them the microphone so the kids could say whatever they want. In fact, here's a picture um, of my son, Lucas. Out of all the kids, um, only he wanted to sit in there, wear the hat, and actually say something on the microphone, Okay. Now, two things about this. Have I mentioned that the captain said that with this microphone in your hand, he said to the kids, you can say whatever you want over this microphone. Now, back up one day, okay? While we were there in Myrtle Beach, we went to this barbecue restaurant called the Barbecue House. And so we're walking up to this restaurant called the Barbecue House in Myrtle Beach. By the way, it's just okay if you go there, all right? It's just okay. That's my review. Um, But on the side of the building, there is this slogan that they have on the side of the building. Okay? (laughs) 
Now, for us mature adults, okay, we know that every butt deserves a good rub. They're talking about you get the pork, you're rubbing the dry rub on there, you smoke the meat or cook it or whatever, and that's what produces the flavor. Us mature people know that. Um, but when we're walking up to the restaurant, all my kids see, and they all giggle a little bit. My wife, who's immature, she giggles a little bit. But I'm not giggling at all, okay? But, okay, so have, have I, I'll go back to the picture of, of Lucas on the boat, right there, my, my son on the boat, okay? Now, have I mentioned that the captain said, you can say whatever you want over the microphone. And you would think that my youngest son, this pastor's kid who last year professed Christ as his savior, might say, I love Jesus. I want everyone to know. I love my parents. They're so, so good to me. I'm a beast at Mario Kart 8. I kill it at Mario Kart 8. But you want to know what this eight-year-old said over to everyone on the boat in this moment where he felt bold, he said, every butt deserves a good rub. Listen to me, church. Okay, listen to me. All right, listen to me. I'm sorry, parents, that I just taught your kids that. Okay, but you'll deal with it later. You're, you're good. Look, God is going to place all of us with a microphone in our hands at some point. He's going to place all of us in these circles of influence. And look, I don't want you to be the Jesus juke people where you're in a, 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 a situation at work or at school and somebody mentions that it's hot outside and you say something like, well, you know where it really is hot, it's hell. You don't want to go there. Do you know Jesus? Like, I don't want you to be the Jesus juke person. But man, when we're placed in these circles of influence, all of us have these opportunities where we boldly talk about what movies we love, where we boldly talk about our political affiliations, where we boldly talk about the music and the movies and the TV shows that we love, but are you talking about the Savior? And are you talking about the gospel? You can do a little TikTok dance on your social media, but are you telling people about the gospel? Man, you can talk about Taylor Swift. And by the way, can we stop talking about Taylor Swift? Every news feed, social media, I'm so tired of it, okay? You're talking about Taylor Swift, but are you telling people about the Savior? Come on, you post about presidents, but are you proclaiming the King of Kings? The psalmist says, when I'm even in front of kings... In other words, and maybe more modern-day translation, when I'm, when I'm in front of important people, well-known people, um, when I'm in this place where I'm even, um, I guess, lower on the social status than other people, he says, there's one thing I want to make sure I declare, and that is declaring the Word of God, and it's declaring the King of Kings. So wherever it is that the Lord has placed you in this season, man, would you pray God embolden me to speak your Word, to tell the Gospel, to tell people about the person who really is the Lord of my life, who has changed me. All right, as our worship team gets ready to come back up to the stage, I don't think the message was 30 seconds, but we're going to end it today with a point of communion. And I just want to challenge you again. Look, this is for the believer. And if you haven't yet trusted in Jesus, man, even right now, you can pray, God, would you teach me? who you are. Lord, you've shown me who you are. God, I repent of my sin. 
I believe that you are God, that Jesus came, he died on the cross to forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord of my life. Even right now, you can receive Christ as the Lord and leader of your life. But church, as we take communion today, the band's going to sing one more song, okay? And as they're singing this song, I want you to literally put this into practice right now as you're walking down here. Like the scriptures talk about how we do not take communion in an unworthy manner. So as you're walking down here, would you take a moment where you say, God, would you, would you teach me again? Would you remind me of what you've done for me? Remind me, Lord, about the incredible price that you paid on the cross, that my sin would be forgiven. The deepest, darkest parts of me that no one even knows about, Lord, you looked at it and you said, I still want you. Would you pray, God, teach me again who you are? And God, would you lead me? Maybe there's something right now that, man, he's literally is bending your will in a different direction, but you've been resistant. When you say, God, I confess that to you. I'm not going to resist it anymore. God, would you lead me in whatever area it is? God, I submit it to you. I yield it to you. And would you pray again, God, change me? God, I want to see the world. I want to see people the way that you see them. And maybe you need to pray as you're coming down, like because of the incredible power in the gospel, because of what Jesus has done. Maybe you need to pray, God, save me right now. God, I'm in a situation where I need your help. I need you to be a refuge and a strength. God, would you save me right now and put me in that wide open space? Give me some peace right now and some freedom right now, even in the middle of the storm. God, would you save me? I know you saved me, but God, would you help me right now in this moment? Would you pray, God, embolden me? As I reflect on what you've done, Jesus, I want to, no matter where I am, speak your word, share the gospel, boldly proclaim the one who's changed me for eternity. Church, let's get prayed up in this season. Let's just not think prayers is something that we do, but it's something that God calls us to. He uses it to strengthen us and to change us. Let's pray boldly in this season. Let's get prayed up. So let me pray for you. And then the band's going to lead us in a song, Come and Receive Communion. Again, remember, it is for the believer in the room. But if you pray to receive Christ even right now, you may even be taking communion for the very first time today. So let me pray. We're going to sing. You come get the elements, and then we'll take communion together after the song is done. Father God, again, we are so thankful for so many things. And God, we have so many reasons to be grateful because of what you've already done, Lord, what you are doing right now, and Lord, even what you promised to do. God, you will never leave us, never abandon us. And even right now, God, you want to keep teaching us and leading us and changing us, God, rescuing us, God, placing us in a place where we lean into your power and your wisdom, and God, even emboldening us so more people can know there is a God who loves them desperately, who calls them and draws them. God, I pray that we would get prayed up in this season. And God, you would grow our prayer life, grow our relationship with you. But God, you would move in a mighty way in the ups and the downs of this season. And God, as we get ready to take communion, God, may we never forget the incredible price that was paid so we can even have the privilege to talk to the God of the universe. Love you, Lord. God, may even in this moment may be a, a sacrifice of praise to you. In Christ's name.